Hello and welcome to the Skewer Podcast. The Skewer is a live monthly news review satirizing the news of the month that was through hilarious op-ed and debate. This particular edition of the Skewer was recorded on Wednesday, March 6th at Cafe Mustache in Chicago. Enjoy! Thank you all for coming out. My name is Roxanne West. You might recognize me as the woman crying on your L train. It is me. I'm doing better now. Thank you so much. I am very pumped to be here. I'm so proud and excited to be your guest host on The Skewer this month. We all miss Erica Dreisbach so, so much. She is the absolute best. I am shooting for fine. Uh, The precise energy I'm cultivating is I'm sorry. But also, you're welcome. So let's just jump right into this. (laughs) All right, well, wow, what a truly wonderful month February has been. Personally, if a month of 28 days has the power to feel like three and a half years, I can only give it my genuine respect. And good news, my sweet, beautiful friends, election season officially started this past February. Let's give it up. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Wow, we were really cutting it close being only 20 months out from the 2020 elections. Uh, To put that in perspective, you could, in February, get pregnant, carry the child to term, give birth to that child, get pregnant again, (laughs) carry that child to term, and give birth again between now and our next election. Basically, the election is Irish twins away. And just like having Irish twins, we've all got that sinking feeling this country made one big mistake, learned nothing from it, and is going to make the same exact mistake immediately afterwards. (laughs) Well, I hope you don't have friends that are also online with you, my sweet, sweet blossoms, because with how these Democratic candidate announcements are going, I don't know if anyone is going to be friends again. Uh, The only thing that anyone can agree on is that we all hate this and that everyone is mad. It's a true challenge trying to find someone with enough relevant experience and proven success to lead our government without also having done something gut-wrenchingly awful. Since to have experience in our imperialistic, jingoistic, police state, veritable swamp of sadness that is our government means to have at some point to be complicit, at least at best. And not unlike the aforementioned swamp of sadness, I also wouldn't be surprised if any of these people at some point drowned a horse (laughs) for being too sad. (laughs) So who would be the best candidate to lead the Democratic nomination? Is it an impossible ask to find someone within the U.S. government that has not compromised the values that an emerging left is seeking and that will also then have a solid chance of being elected in November? The answer, my friends, hold on. The answer, my friends, is yes. This guy. (laughs) All right, if you are listening at home... 
The image we are all looking at is of a cheerful golden cartoon jelly bean wearing red rimmed glasses and waving a small American flag, also a small Japanese flag. He is smiling. <laughs> This is Tom, the jelly bean, the current mascot for the U.S. Embassy in Japan. If you're not familiar, each country in Japan's embassy is represented by a mascot, similar to various cities and organizations throughout Japan. So, why should Tom throw his beautifully gloved hand in the ring? <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you. Tom has never committed a war crime <laughs> or participated in the prison industrial complex. Tom not only has government experience, he clearly has a foreign policy that is rooted in diplomacy. <laughs> also, Tom is a man. You might be wondering, how do I know a fictional jelly bean's gender? How could a jelly bean have a gender? Well, let's not act like Tom the jelly bean is some slapdash cartoon character put together by some tired intern who at one point long ago thought that their embassy role would involve learning about world affairs and not how to express or order a custom jelly bean costume. <laughs> He is a deeply lived in cartoon character. Well, for starters, clearly he has the capacity for sight.、Uh, however, not that good of sight since he has glasses.、Uh, he has layers and complexities and is approachable as fuck. So, yes, how do I know this jelly bean is a man? Well, it's 2019 and look how happy he is. <laughs> Describe this bean in one word, it would be unburdened. <laughs> It's also how I know that even though this jelly bean is gold, he is capital W white. <laughs> he would be king of a Wrigleyville pajama crawl. <laughs> Just yelling nonsense, not a care in the world. And apparently that's what people love. And at least he hasn't, you know, lied about his race or done anything appropriative. Although, to be honest, This is a little borderline. <laughs> okay, weird. Yes. So on the official embassy website, it's stated that Tom is a jelly bean because of the countless, the countless flavors of jelly beans represent the USA's diversity. So he's already done more to speak to the importance of identity in American politics than our most left leaning Democratic candidate. I'm mostly relieved that he's a jelly bean in that he's not some salute to Ronald Reagan nonsense. I don't know. I mean, personally, Ronald Reagan is probably my least favorite serial killer. <laughs> so, I'm <try> so I'm trying to call him a serial killer more often so that maybe、uh, Netflix or Hulu will come out with an eight part documentary series about the U.S. government's culpability in over 20,000 deaths. And then maybe straight people would care enough to learn about the AIDS crisis besides watching Rent Live. We're having fun. <laughs> yeah, it really is a cluster, these Democratic nominees. No one really has anything that we want, and they're acting like they're doing us a favor. It feels like when you know, some friend of a friend wants to hook up with some 23 year old moron, so their whole crew somehow ends up back at your place, and this absolute white nightmare starts bragging about how he got such a great deal. He only paid $100 for half of a G of what he thinks is cocaine, <laughs> but is almost certainly Altoids. 
and then tries to get people to do some, and then some sweet dummy, who doesn't know what good is, but values compromise for some godforsaken reason, takes a bump, then wakes up the next morning with a Venmo request for $8. (laughs) And you're like, how? How did this happen? Who let these terrible, awful people in my house? Who did this? Oh, a white woman I thought I could trust? Sure. (laughs) There it is. Sounds about right. All right, well, we have got a great show tonight. We have four incredible op-ed writers for you tonight. An absolutely killer debate. Before we get into that, though, let's welcome Kevin Johnson, the host of our weekly news quiz game. Kevin Johnson, everyone, give it up. It is assuredly monthly. This this game, yes, this this show is also monthly. monthly. Um, I'm gonna fuck this up. Oh wait, I did it. Cool. All right, cool. Anyway, this is a a, a news quiz, um, and I need a volunteer. It's, it's, it's very simple. It's two truths and a lie. It's just with headlines. I need a volunteer. You're so many people sitting right here. All right, fine. Get your ass up here. Also, I do want to let the audience know that our, our uh, co-founder of this show, Tom, was very happy to be a jelly bean. He was so happy. I'm sure he was. Who the fuck are you? Uh, do I have to tell you? Not really. All right. I will remain anonymous. (laughs) All right. Well, okay. Yeah. Uh, Also, yeah, if you you win, I'll give you one of my drink tickets. And regardless of winning, you get some skewer swag, like like a fucking sticker. Tom's over there uh, with the the stickers. I'm fighting. I'm fighting some sort of cold or something. Um, So my voice might be different. Just letting you know. Your first story. What? What were you going to say? It doesn't matter. First story. (laughs) Grandma sitting on iceberg to pose for photo gets carried out to sea. Did that happen? Who knows? Number two. A telephone scammer is now on his way to prison after calling a former CIA director. Did that happen? Mm -hmm. Story three. Self-driving cars may hit older people more due to their slumping postures. It's absolutely the cars. You think that's false? No, that one's true. Good point. Um, Is that a good point? I I literally just questioned you. The false one, I'm going to guess, is a CIA telephone scammer. Oh, no, that happened, my boy. (laughs) That happened. Self-driving cars are going to hit old people for fun. But they're also going to hit people with darker skin because cameras are racist. I should have stuck to my guns on that first guess. Yeah, I literally just said the same thing you did. You were like, oh, shit, no. Anyway, your second set of stories begins with an Oregon man survives a chilly ordeal by eating Taco Bell fire sauce packets. I believe he was trapped in his car for five days with his dog. Man, I don't know what the fucking dog ate, though. You know what? Uh, sorry, too. Fashion, fashion House Balenciaga releases shoes designed to look like a carton of McDonald's French fries. I believe they were like four thousand dollars, something like that. Someone would buy it. That sounds right. Yeah. 
Story three, driver fights ticket using... Uh, Driver fights ticket for using his cell phone and claims it was actually a McDonald's hash brown. <laughs> I'm going to guess that last one there is the lie because the other two are just too convincing. No. Ah. No. So, uh, Fashion House Balenciaga, they did not design shoes to look like a carton of fries. They designed it to look ugly. It coincidentally happens to look like a carton of fries. Right. That is a real blurry line. <laughs> they didn't... Des- it, was, it was not intentional. Social media, they put the fucking M on does, it. it does like, intent matter? Yes. Okay. Anyway. Yes. Move on. <laughs> yes. Have you been to, like, courtroom ever? I Actually, haven't. no. I haven't either. I'm not part of the prison industrial complex. Maybe Fuck. one speeding ticket in high school. <gasps> anyway, first story. Texas police rescue man after he unsuccessfully attempted to track women with a sausage in his pants, but instead found stray dogs. <laughs> story two. We're, we're, this is a dog-themed one. Just letting you know. Story two. French mayor issues a ban on excessive dog barking. I don't even know what that means, but okay. Yeah. Story three. Family Pug is seized by a German town over unpaid debts and sold on eBay. <gasps> can I ask which town? You can, but I, it is also, like you, anonymous. I'm going to say the first one, the sausage. Hey, you got one right. So yeah, he did, he, that did not happen. It probably happened somewhere, but that's not what I found. Uh, what actually happened is that a nearly naked man uh, covered in peanut butter visited a dog park in Dallas. He lost a bet, and it was either pay $250 or go to a dog park covered in peanut butter. And so I guess he was just licked uh, by a lot of dogs. <laughs> and he was filmed by his girlfriend, which was weird. I don't know if that version's any better. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> But uh, thank you for anonymous person coming up to the stage. And look, it's Roxanne West. Whoa, it's me again. Thank you so much. Let's give it up again for Kevin and our anonymous kind man. Thank you, whoever you are, and also mostly Kevin. Also, when I was writing this up, I'd forgotten the jelly bean's name was Tom, and I was like, I hope this isn't weird for Tom. Hope you really enjoyed that, Tom. <laughs> All right. So for our first op-ed writer of the night, uh, Ken Majan Beal is a political organizer who has worked for candidates across the Midwest. He is also an award-winning commentator for two publications, Patriot Nonpartisan and Dem Right Press. In addition to writing and politically organizing, Ken serves on several civic boards and advisory panels for marginalized people. Let's get a round of applause going and welcome Ken to the stage. Come on, Ken. How's everybody doing? Yes. So really quickly, I got this shirt today because we're doomed. And that's the point of this whole story. So my, I'm going to talk about treason, which can be funny, by the way. Um, also, this is my first time doing this, so, yeah. So if you don't like it, I've already paid two Nigerians to kick my ass after I leave here. 
people will respect me at some point. <laughs> All right. Treason is defined as such. The crime of betraying one's country defined in Article 3, Section 3 of the United States Constitution against the United States shall consist only in levying war against them or adhering to their enemy, giving them aid and comfort. No person shall be convicted of treason unless on the testimony of two witnesses to the same overt act or on confession in open court. The word treason is thrown around often by the Trump administration as much as paper towels are tossed to Puerto Ricans after a hurricane. Trump recently stated that Rod Rosenstein and Andrew McCabe were treasonous. Before that, CIA Johns Brennan was also treasonous. And America's favorite garden steak, Amorosa, was also treasonous. The problem is none of these folks have actually committed treason based on the literal definition of the word. But there is someone who actually has committed treason recently. And her name is Hoda Mathona. Hoda, well, the Trump administration uses the word treason in every third tweet but cannot seem to prosecute an actual case of treason. Hoda was born in the United States of America in the wonderful state of Alabama. So keep that in mind because if I were born in Alabama, I might commit a little treason myself. But Hoda traveled to Syria in 2014 to join ISIS not because she was forced to, but simply because she wanted to do so. She even adopted the pet name Mother of Jihad. She informed her parents that she was going to Atlanta as part of a field trip with her business studies class at the University of Alabama at Birmingham and instead withdrew from college and used the plane ticket money they sent her to travel to Turkey. Can we for a moment briefly reflect on the fact that her parents did not realize that the plane ticket from Atlanta to Birmingham cost so fucking much. Just for a moment. Because she went to Turkey. So, yeah, they didn't notice. So I, I, my question is, has everyone seen Abducted in Plain Sight? They're probably the same parents, but we just don't know that yet. If they want to adopt a youngish black guy from Chicago, I'm willing because I need money and I have college bills. So anyway, while in Syria, she used her social media account to call for the death of Americans. This is all a quote. Go on drive-bys and spill all of their blood. Rent a big truck and drive all over them. Kill them. Veterans, patriots, memorial, etc. day parades. Kill them all. Isn't that beautiful? She is now expressing remorse, remorse for her actions and her words. She is claiming that she was brainwashed, and she stated in an ABC interview that she's ashamed of those social media posts, and now she wants to come back into the United States with her 18-month-old son. Most young women and young men are brainwashed by boy bands. <laughs> Their abs, the pelvic thrusting, perfect teeth and even fantasized about marrying members of boy bands. Not me. I never fantasized about marrying Justin Timberlake and eating cheese pizza and doing Jaeger bombs on our wedding night. <laughs> that never happened, I promise you. 
So I'm blaming all of this on MTV for not playing music videos anymore because if they did, young people wouldn't want to join ISIS. Just saying. Hoda has appealed to Americans insisting that she is no longer a threat and she's describing herself as a normal human being who's been manipulated once and hopefully will never be manipulated again. Be that as it may, this is a textbook civics lesson in treason. The Trump administration is making a lazy attempt to deny her reentry into the United States with the claim that she is not a U.S. citizen because her dad was a diplomat. She was born in the USA and was twice issued an American passport. Her father was not a diplomat at the time of her birth, and per federal guidelines, U.S. citizenship can be revoked after a treason conviction in court, not a substitute for one. Donald Trump, via Twitter, because that's how we get all of our news from Donald Trump, stated, I have instructed Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, and he fully agrees not to allow Hoda back into the country. First of all, nor Trump nor any other president has the constitutional power, regardless of whether the Secretary of State agrees with him or not, to, deny, to revoke citizenship. Will the USA <clears throat> be willing to try her for treason? My opinion is we should let her in, but before the trial, we should have some funsy challenges for her. <laughs> I'm going to share those challenges with you here tonight. First challenge. We force her to watch glitter. Because she likes bombs so much. I said it, I don't care. This seems easy, right? But, did I mention we make her watch it with Mariah Carey after a few drinks? And she has to watch it three times because that's how many ISIS fighters she married. And during the film, Mariah will be allowed to pause the film to give commentary. If she doesn't physically harm Mariah Carey, we move to challenge two. Challenge two. She's given a grocery list of items and given one hour to complete the task. This sounds easy. It's not. The store's going to be Walmart in the middle of Indiana. It's going to be on the 15th of the month. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Third, she's not allowed to walk around anyone. And seeing that it's the 15th, our senior citizen friends are going to be there. And fourth, she must go to a line with a cashier. If she could get out of the store with all the items on the list in one hour, we move to step three. Step three. She must do an entire summer filming Real Housewives of Anywhere. <laughs> except she's not allowed to drink. For those that have never watched, let me fill you in. Picture it. A group of entire middle-aged women that will fight with you over anything. And not only will they fight with you, they will carry it on for months on end. It never ends. So if she can get through this, being totally sober and without murdering anyone, we moved to round four. Round four is kind of my favorite, and you guys are going to love it. She has to fill up a tank of gas. The car is on empty. But here's the fun part. It's Chicago in the middle of winter, and she's not allowed to wear a coat. 
Oh, yeah. The first prompt will say, enter your zip code, and she'll enter it. The second will ask if she needs a car wash, even though it's the middle of fucking winter and nobody needs a car wash in the middle of the winter. Then it'll ask her if she's a reward member. No one cares if you're a reward member when it's negative eight degrees outside. And then it'll say, pick your gas, and she'll go to push the button, and guess what'll happen? It will say, please see attendant, because it's so fucking cold that the debit card doesn't work. (laughs) Thanks, Shell. And when she goes in, she's not allowed to swear at anybody. If she passes this challenge, the fifth and final challenge, she must attend the Republican National Convention, which is kind of the worst. I don't need to really get into why that's the worst. But if she can complete all these tasks... We send her to court on charges of treason because she's kind of treasonous. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Let's give it up again for Ken. How? Yes. How? Yes. Thank you so much. All right. For our next op-ed, she's an educator, writer, and performer. I am very excited to welcome Allison Jackford to the Skewer stage. Give it up for Allison. Hi. I'm going to sit. All right, so you set me up well with that Jesse Smollett joke right at the top there, because that's what we're going to talk about. Also, I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. All right. Do you all remember two weeks ago when the entire Facebook news feed was full of clickbait about Jesse Smollett? about him being indicted for disorderly disorderly conduct after allegedly paying two guys to attack him and filing a false police report? Remember the fucking press conference the next day where CPD Superintendent Eddie Johnson asserted Jesse Smollett's guilt for half an hour? Remember a couple days later when Eddie had to backpedal and start actually using the word allegedly before listing his accusations? Jesse turned himself in and was released on $100,000 bail after turning in his passport. He's due back in court to enter his plea next Thursday. He has maintained his innocence since the arrest. Okay, we're caught up on that part. I found myself totally uneasy about whatever the fuck actually happened with Jesse Smollett from the moment the incident began to be reported on. The reactions I saw were mostly supportive of Jesse and mostly surrounded uplifting the reality that black folks in the LGBTQ community are disproportionately victims of hate crimes. I was down with that, but there was something else about the energy that led me to disengage with the story entirely. I can't really articulate what that energy was. It just felt grimy. Then the allegations of Jesse staging the incident started to come out, and the energy around the story got even darker. It felt like the support of Jesse was instantly transformed into disgust and then doubled. Folks were upset, upset that a person would fake a hate crime, thus potentially devaluing future hate crimes, upset because he embarrassed the queer community, the black community, the Chicago community, upset because he used a noose in an allegedly staged attack, upset that he would use the trauma of the queer and black communities to get attention, 
make more money on Empire, win the respect of Director Lee Daniels. Different sources said different things, but regardless of the reason, folks were mad. The responses were all over the place. Of course, there were jokes. Black Twitter came for Jesse's whole life. Clay Agin, who was upset that the controversy would overshadow his recent victory on Drop the Mic, said in an interview that if the allegations are true, he hopes Smollett is made an example of. And I'm unsure of both what Drop the Mic is and exactly what Clay Aiken meant when he said he hoped Jesse would be made an example of, but it sounds real Jim Crow to me. Then there were YouTube comments on Jesse's interview with Robin Roberts, such as, this dude would have had two white dudes who fit the description locked up without saying a word, and oppression is a social currency, and when America is so great that a black man has to pay Nigerians to oppress him and string that POS up by his testicles. Today it came out that some random guy in Worthington, Pennsylvania named John Plasic, who bought a digital billboard that displays such gems as whites have rights too. And photos of representatives uh, John Lewis and Maxine Waters calling them black racists. And finally, a photo of Jesse Smollett with the caption that reads, he hangs himself with an exclamation point, I don't know, then sets race relations back 100 years. Race is in quotation marks on the billboard. As a side note, I don't get those quotation marks. Like, what do you mean, John? Sets race back 100 years. Like, are you implying that race is fake? Like, I don't get it. But if Jesse did stage a hate crime, it's fucked up. But those comments, they seem indicative of an underlying narrative that makes me extremely uneasy as a black body in this country. It feels like many white, so many white folks took this clusterfuck as evidence to support their existing beliefs that marginalized communities are exaggerating about and or making up our present oppression. That feels extremely dangerous. We need to be able to acknowledge existing oppression in order to fight it. There's so much to be furious about right now. There's so many fights being fought, fought, and so many of us are fighting multiple fights at the same time, but I urge you, in your rage or passion on any topic, do not diminish or contribute to the diminishing of the narratives and current oppression of marginalized communities. That's how erasure happens. It's how the Ku Klux Klan is actively growing in 2019. It's how racism thrives. It's how every ism thrives. That is how 45 is in office, and that is the energy we have to address before the 2020 election. This is not a game. Fuck a clickbait news story. Black and brown and queer bodies are on the line. for Allison. Yeah. All right, our next up, Ed Ryder, can be seen performing throughout Chicago, most recently at Burlesque's More, Saturdays at 10.30 at The Annoyance, as well as with the improv troupe Matt Damon Improv, Saturdays at 8.30 at The Annoyance, starting on March 16th. Let's get a big round of applause going for Maria Kanapkin. Woo!
I realized I probably should have put more on my intro, but I was like writing it on the run, and I was like, here's shows I'm in. Who cares what I actually am as a person? Um, and then everyone else had like great intros, and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> Uh, yeah, my name is Maria Kanopkin. Uh, I'm trying to think of what I was going to write about and what news story. Uh, it was very difficult to pick a story because everything made me want to scream for 15 minutes. And you know, that's just not entertaining for you guys. Like, it's very entertaining and therapeutic for me, and my therapist loves it. But uh, <laughs> not for you. So, uh, you know, trying to think of, like, what to talk about and just try to find a news story that, again, would not want me to yell at everyone for fi- forever. Um, <laughs> I came up with the... I didn't come up with it. I Google searched a piece. I am not a writer on the internet. <laughs> oh, great. This is going well, you guys. <laughs> uh, about how Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez... Cortez, wow. Um, bad Mexican cannot pronounce his fanny name. Good job. Uh, how she... Uh, if Trump wasn't elected, uh, she would have been a teacher. And I'm not giving Trump any credit for that because he can go to hell. And, uh, but it's also like kind of great to like see like just a human side and especially with like a lot of news stories that have AOC like, like this woman, she's off her rocker or she's great or she's praising. Um, I like, I love her. And so this is going to be about why representation matters. And, you know, she's, to some people, the most scariest thing, because for a lot of people, when a woman of color speaks her mind, she's the most scariest person. Apparently, that's a revolutionary thing. Um, for many of us, uh, like I said before, um, Mexican-American, uh, it just for, there wasn't a lot of representation in our media that matched what we had at home, and therefore, when we left our doors. Uh, so oftentimes, that what wasn't seen in media, like, I love romantic comedies. Um, <laughs> if I'm, you know, I'm often cast as, like, the best friend. And I'm a great friend. Uh, but also, I would love to be in love. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, just, you weren't seeing that. And oftentimes, what you weren't seeing and what the collective environment wasn't seeing in media came outside and what other people and how they treated you. Um, it's like our punchline for anyone. It's not just one uh, community, but for anyone, when your punchline is seen as as, you know, your language is a punchline, when your hair is used as a punchline, when your skin color is used as a punchline, how you say words is used as a punchline. It also is very like, hey, other people think they can treat you like that. Um, for me personally, uh, my hair has been treated as, been told by many people as unprofessional and that, you know, I should take more time to do my hair. Uh, also, it takes like an hour just to get my hair to be, uh, you know, tame. Like, <laughs> like I'm sorry, I'm not going to spend another hour straightening hair. Uh, I spent a lot of years uh, being ashamed of my hair, and so I'm not going to start now, and fuck you. Uh, <laughs> uh, also, thank you. <laughs> uh, also, uh, you know, the if I speak up or when women speak up, it's often seen as aggressive or sassy when you're just giving an opinion. Uh, that has happened to me and many women like me. And then also that people having to explain the culture to me. Um, Cinco de Mayo is a holiday, apparently. <laughs> and I love every year going to work and people, you know, I know it's not Mexican Independence Day, and actually it's about this. I'm like, thank you so much. Uh, I would have never gone through the day without this. 
Uh, and, you know, some people are sitting here and, like, nodding their head, like, yes, this has happened to me or has their own life experience. And for those that are like, oh, I'm so sorry that's happened to you, um, I don't know why you're sorry. You didn't do it. So, uh, but it also shows stories, and we have many, of lack of representation. And so, you know, someone like AOC, like, coming out and saying that, like, hey, like, I'm going to be myself, I'm going to wear my hoop earrings, I'm going to wear a bright red lipstick. It's like representations of culture that, like, I love, and it's positive representation. It's not looked at, like, um, again, I really like romantic comedies and also trashy TV shows. Sex and the City is one of those trashy TV shows. It's problematic as fuck. But <laughs> Carrie Bradshaw at one point told in some episode, I'm paraphrasing, that hoop earrings were seen as trashy. And that, like, really hurt me because to me, like, as I wear my big old hoop earrings, it's just a representation of, like, my culture. It's also a representation of resistance and also just, like, a symbol of our identity. And many cultures, the hoop earring is seen as part of royalty. Um, in the Latin culture, it's often seen as part of, like, our heritage is, like, how people represent and how they carry themselves and uh, in a positive way there's another negative way but the bigger the hoop the more love they have to give so that's a positive thing um, and <laughs> thank you so much uh, and so when ARC was like wearing her hoop earrings and she was getting sworn in like I was just like so excited to see her when she went to uh, the State of the Union and then the, she was like wearing this white and walking by this white guy and the, who had never seen a, a Latin woman in his life that wasn't cleaning his floor I'm sure uh, <laughs> He was terrified, and, you know, that's... It was great, and it was awesome to see, and just, like, unapologetically herself, which is why, you know, an image I would have loved to see as a kid or as a teenager or on the money I would have spent on my hair uh, straightening it. It takes two hours to straighten this, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> uh, it's just something that I'm very... It's something so small, but something so big to a lot of people, and we're seeing that also. And again, Trump gets no fucking credit for any of this, uh, but seeing a lot more women, especially more women of color, in spaces and being themselves. You know, if you're familiar with code switching, you know what I'm saying. And it's great to be like, we don't have to. We can speak our mind, and we can beat the system and stuff. Um, so this was a poem. I am also write poetry again. I should have wrote a better bio <laughs> um, that represents that and uh, that it was inspired by AOC. So here's this poem. You see my bold hips, my bold hoops, my bold lips. They scare you. You see me as a bad guy, but I'm bold enough to just be me. I sip the juice of my ancestors to be oh so powerful it scares you. How can someone be so bold make you feel so old? Because you see, I just rhymed there. It's so simple. I kind of just popped you like a pimple. Ooh, there I go again. But you sit in fear as I walk away. My bold lips no longer in view. And I know you see my bold hoops glistening and swaying with my bold hips. Oh, to be so bold. Thank you so much. All right, let's give it up again for Maria. Well, I am very excited for our next and final op-ed of the evening. Tom Harrison is co-creator of this show and is host and GM of comedy RPG podcast Shuffle Quest. He is a wise genius. <laughs> All right, let's go down. 
Thank you for that last line, which you came up with yourself. Wink. <laughs> no, I'm a wise genius, everybody. Hello. How are you doing today at the skewer? I'll take it. So I'm going to do a very different piece than what we've been uh, getting tonight. Today, I am here to talk to you about objectively the best sport and the only sport worth watching. Say it with me. Sumo. (laughs) If you like any other sport... You are a rube in the pocket of Big Normie, and today I will open your eyes. I fully admit that there were no big news stories about sumo in the last month, so yes, I am completely disregarding the concept of the show, but what are you going to fucking do? Not book me? The whole reason the show exists is to book me. Like, spoiler, that's why we did it. Uh... But before I go on, there are a few things that literally everyone I've talked to about sumo has brought up, so I imagine it's in your heads as well. I'm just going to address it so we can move on. One, they wear diapers. Yes. Number two, what if if the diaper fell off? They fucking won't. (laughs) Three... Three, they're fat. They got, they got big titties. Yes, well observed. Are we past it? Can, have we got it out of our system? Good, moving on. This past year, I have gotten insanely into sumo. Prior to this, I had not followed a sport for over a decade. This is because sports are extremely bad and boring. <laughs> Think about... How long your average football or baseball game lasts? Conservatively, like 10 hours, right? (laughs) The seasons last for over half the year, requiring a massive mental investment. There are inscrutable rules written in, like, ancient runes called offsides that make me furious. Nobody strangles anyone. Folks, these sports suck ass. Sumo has legit, like, four rules. One, if you touch the ground with anything but your feet, you lose. Two, if you go outside the ring, you lose. Three, you can't hit your opponent with a closed fist. Four, you cannot pull your opponent's hair. That's fucking it. (laughs) You never see something and then it's like, actually, that doesn't count because it was goaltending. Seriously, what the (laughs) fuck is goaltending? Please no one actually tell me. You may be hearing those four rules and being like, uh, thinking to yourself, Tom, does that mean that you can just fucking strangle a guy and that's within the rules? Uh, yeah. It owns. Sumo is the strangling sport. If you have not seen it, you cannot comprehend the staggering spectacle of a 400-pound obelisk of meat just choking a motherfucker out. And then the other guy picks him up mid-strangle and just walks him out. The wrestlers all live and train in little dorms where they take nappies in the afternoon in a big room where they all snooze together and they cook big pots of stew as a group. It's cute. They only wrestle They only wrestle for 15 days Every two months The rest of the time you don't have to fucking pay attention Matches last on average Like five seconds 
Watching a full day of professional professional sumo takes, no joke, 20 minutes. Folks, I have video games to play. I cannot be watching Lefty Scruggs or whatever baseball man root around in his dick bag for five hours. My time is valuable. I need to fit anime, more anime, general millennial despair, Twitter, and most importantly, anime, into my limited free hours. Sumo is the only sport that fits my needs, and also, there is an anime about sumo, and I watch that, too. This is a sport that demands the absolute minimum of your time and attention and delivers exclusively explosive blasts of incomprehensible athletic ability. Like, the first few times I watched, I had no idea what was fucking going on other than, like, ah, the huge man pushed good. But, like, honestly, that's enough. Like, in the same way that it's compelling to watch a building fall down, it's inherently exciting to watch the big boys boom. (laughs) But now, months later, folks, I am all in. I am a sumo boy. And although no one in America would know it, the sport is currently in a fucking fascinating place. Lucky you, though, I'm going to tell you all about it. Like, did you know? That right now, the greatest sumo wrestler ever is active and still dominant. I'm talking, of course, of Hakuho, one of the best athletes of all time. You have likely never heard of him. He has the all-time record for most wins in a year, most undefeated tournaments, most tournament victories, most tournaments at the top rank, most wins total... Like, literally, he could have retired five years ago and been the best to ever play the sport. He is straight up just achievement hunting at this point. (laughs) Like, all of the wrestlers have these, like, official profiles that list their specialty. Like, some people push and slap. Some people grab the belt. Some people throw. Some people just rely on pure brute strength. Hakuho's specialty literally is all. He's a goddamn monster, and the only thing keeping him from winning every tournament is the nagging injuries that come from 17 years of doing the strangling sport that instantly destroys your knees. Speaking of knees, despite all I've been saying about how sumo fucking slaps and is the best sport, it is at a truly terrifying crossroads, and its future is sickeningly uncertain. This January, the last remaining Japanese yokozuna, Kaseno Sato, was forced to retire in disgrace. Now, some background. In sumo, wrestlers are assigned ranks based on their performance. The highest is yokozuna. That's what Hakuho is. A yokozuna promotion is rare, significant, and cannot be revoked. All the other ranks, you just get bumped down if you suck. You, you lose it. A yokozuna is a yokozuna for life. Thus, yokozuna are promoted with the implication that you have to perform up to the expectations of the rank. You are the best, so you must dominate. And for the last decade or so, the yokozuna, all of them, including Hakuho, have been Mongolian. Listen, I don't know what they put in the yak milk up there, but... Japan cannot keep up. Mongolians are all over this sport. They even had to institute a rule that each of the little dorms where they train can only have one foreign wrestler at a time because otherwise they'd be all Mongol all the time. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with Japanese stereotypes, but uh, the one about national honor is true. (laughs) They fucking hate this Mongolian shit. Ooh, it steams them off. 
As a foreigner who's never been, doesn't know anything about the political culture there, I can't say that it's racism, but it's probably not not racism. <laughs> like, Yokozuna isn't just a rank. It's supposed to be like an embodiment of the soul of sumo and Japan. The other ranks are just sort of given up by the sports association, but a Yokozuna promotion needs to be approved by a council of fucking poets and painters. <laughs> I am not kidding. Like, nominally, sumo isn't even a sport. It's a religious ceremony about, like, making the demons mad. It's not important. <laughs> but it's as Japanese-y as it gets. And here we have, like, a dozen foreigners in cosplay fucking gooning their asses constantly. They hate it. So imagine their relief when in January 2017, Japanese-born Kisena Sato was promoted to Yokozuna after a stunning run of dominant tournaments. You know those old Japanese paintings where everyone's face is like long and weird and they have like this weird grimace? Like, uh, I used to think, like, huh, how come those old painters don't know what faces look like? <laughs> Kisena Sato's face looks like that all the time. <laughs> so he got promoted uh, and then immediately destroyed his entire body and exploded all of his bones instantly. <laughs> And was out with injury for a record eight consecutive tournaments. And every time he'd make an appearance after, he'd be easily beaten and have to withdraw from the tournament after a few days with an injury. But mostly just to avoid the shame of being a Yokozuna with a hugely negative record. And this January, he wasn't able to spin it anymore. He simply cannot measure up. And, and the last Japanese Yokozuna retired from the sport after an almost comically disappointing reign at the top. <laughs> Not to add insult to injury, but like, for perspective, in Kisena Sato's entire career, he won two tournaments. Hakuho has won, anyone got a guess? Hakuho has won 41 tournaments. It wouldn't be so bad if there was a new pack of young talent ready to seize the reins, but uh, remember all the times I brought up injury. Yeah, sumo is not just the strangling sport, it's the your knees instantly become powder sport. They wrestle on this platform that's raised about two feet in the air, and they're often pushed off of it by insanely strong men and smash all 300 pounds of their fucking body onto their shoulders and heads. You may be wondering, surely there must be some padding down there. <laughs> well, of course, we're not unreasonable. The floor is protected by a layer of extremely brittle ancient men who sit directly next to the ring and die immediately if the wind blows on them too hard. Also, in sumo, your pay depends on victory. Like, every match you win, you get extra money. If you have a, a winning record in a tournament, you get extra money. Every rank gets paid extra money compared to the one below it. Uh... This is good in that it incentivizes winning and it doesn't allow for like that situation where a player gets like a huge 10-year contract and then like immediately forgets how to how to read and sucks but has to get paid anyway. But like remember how I said that Yokozuna is the only rank that can't be taken from you? Uh the others can get taken away if you lose too much. And here is the fucking kicker. If you sit out a match because you're hurt, that's not like a that's not ignored. It counts as a loss. If you sit out because your knee fucked up, you lose money. You will get demoted. So guess what they don't fucking do? 
The old world culture of machismo and toughing it out means these guys drag their broken bodies into the ring and proceed to fuck them up way more. So they, they will forever be beyond repair. Like, as an example, there's this one wrestler, Tochi no Shin, who was kicking ass the first time I watched sumo. He is a goddamn Adonis man made of pure muscle. Like, he is as big as all of these guys, but he's not even fat. It's all muscle. <laughs> His whole strategy is just literally to pick the other guy up and, like, walk them out and drop them. <laughs> It is an astonishing spectacle. When he is on his game, he simply cannot be defeated. His athletic ability is without a doubt one of the most impressive I've ever seen. But he's just done. Oops. He ruined his legs. And while he's still technically competing, it's, like, it's just not possible for him to win unless he takes significant time off to heal. And he fucking can't because then he'd lose all of his money. It's painful to watch him flail and make a mockery of himself up there, but what can he do? Man up and power through. And on top of that, a few years ago, Sumo was rocked by a massive hazing scandal. Turns out the cute dorms where the wrestlers take nappies were hotbeds for uh, huge amounts of verbal and physical abuse. One 17-year-old kid fucking died because he was too soft and his stable master ordered everyone to hit him with bats. Turns out one of the Yokozuna at the time smashed a beer bottle over another wrestler's head and had a long history of bizarre bursts of violent rage. And yes, it was a Mongolian Yokozuna. I'm sure that did not rile up any xenophobic feelings. And in 2011, there was rampant fucking match-fixing led by the stable owners. They had to fully cancel a tournament for, I think, the only time ever because people were fucking mad. And the sport has never fully recovered. Like, even last year, in April 2018, there was a massive dumbass move when a woman paramedic was not allowed into the ring to treat an injured wrestler because women, I guess, are too impure to enter the sacred arena. Everyone hated it, folks. Can you imagine why a young boy in Japan would maybe not want to enter this goddamn sport? Can you conceive of a reason why there is not a young wave of talent burning up the charts? Who would not want to join the mafia sport where your roommates murder you <laughs> and your tendons get snapped like kite strings every day and you still have to lift the hugest man in the universe anyway or else you're poor? Also, keep in mind that even if you do get to sit out and heal, you have to train constantly. Because if you have that much fat and you let your muscles atrophy, fucking goodbye, you're not coming back to professional sports. But despite it all, I can't help it. I love sumo. It's so fucking cool. <laughs> it's short. Honestly, I cannot overstate how short it is. It is so fucking good. Sports are too long. We can all agree. And honestly, there's just something captivating about these huge guys who can command so much goddamn physical power just doing the dance up there. And there are some young wrestlers with the potential to possibly reach the highest ranks. Like, there's this one guy, Takakesho, who looks like a JPG of a baby that you stretched to be bigger. Uh, he is... <laughs> He's stunning the top division with his rhythmic thrusting attack, not the horny kind. <laughs> and Mitake Yumi, who's a Japanese Filipino, and in his last tournament, he confidently and definitively beat Hakuho in a match that made both the audience and me stand up and shout. 
And in the second highest division, like the minor leagues, there's this tiny little pixie named Enho who is, like, insanely hot. Like, no shade on the other wrestlers, but the, as a rule, they are not lookers. <laughs> Enho is, like, 5'6", weighs 220 pounds. He's the smallest fucking person I have ever seen. And next to the other wrestlers, he may as well be invisible. <laughs> And yet with sheer preternatural technique, he regularly beats people literally twice his size. He's like a buzzing bee bringing down elephants. And when he does lose, it mostly just serves to drive home how fucking good he has to be to even compete at all. Because he gets absolutely effortlessly gooned the nanosecond his opponents get a hand on him. Like these are guys who can lift 500 pounds easy. Lifting Enho is easy mode. And yet he wins. Fun fact, Enho is the special mentee of none other than who? Fucking Hakuho, the goat. Because when Hakuho was young, he too was considered too small to ever be a significant wrestler. God, folks, it, fu- it all owns. It fucking rules. Sumo is so good. I know this isn't current offense, but it's probably new to you. <laughs> Guys, watch Sumo. The next tournament starts in four days this Sunday. I'm going to watch it. Watch Sumo. That's all. (laughs) All right. Let's give it up again for Tom. Woo! All right. Thank you so much. All right. Now, before we jump into our comedic debate, let's get Kevin Johnson back on stage for round two of our news quiz. Come on. <laughs> I'm here now. I don't know. Whatever. All right. We'll see you. Okay. Okay. Well, I got more things to do. Tom, Tom keeps me in this prison. Um, and uh, I need a volunteer as my key to get out. Please. All right. Do it. Oh, uh, wait. Did you want to do it? I was very. I, I did actually see you in Burlesque is more. Oh, thank you. There you go. Come up. <laughs> At some point, I think I'm just gonna like ask the audience, and then I'm just gonna have them like clap for whichever one. Maybe I'll just do that. You know? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, the anonymous stranger earlier is my husband. His name is Damien, and he made me come up here. So. <laughs> It's his fault if I lose. Well, thank you to Damien slash the patriarchy for Georgia being up here. I'm Georgia, by the way. I have my own name. Yeah. Yeah, Damien. Learn your wife's name. Fucking, fucking hell, man. All right. Question one. Well, no, it's not a fucking question. It is a question, but it's a headline. You understand. How many times do you have to slap a chicken to cook it? Is that a real headline? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Two. Boy, t- boy, age 12, said to have created a nuclear reaction in his playroom lab. Hmm. Story three. The Slovenian uh, minister of parliament resigned after attempting to steal nuclear technology from Italy. 
Hmm. I'm going to go with that third one being fake. Yes, you are correct. Just like slapping a chicken. It's like tenderizing, right? Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> so the Slovenian uh, minister of parliament or whatever, he actually stepped down after stealing a sandwich because they, because they still have rules. Um, if you're wondering, it takes roughly 49,000 times to smack a chicken and put enough heat energy into it to cook it. Or one time if you can slap at 10 times the speed of sound. Just to let you know. I mean, good to know. Yeah, yeah right? good to know. Okay, third, uh, second set of stories. After player, do you know the? Okay, wait, I gotta explain something. So, you, do you know the game Plague Inc? It's like that, the like the disease simulator, and it's like, oh shit, Madagascar shut down. Do you know what I'm talking? Fucking. So it's like nobody pandemic, knows. Pandemic, but like, dude, like everyone. Else, I thought like everyone like played that in like high school no, or something. I don't something. know what you're talking Fuck, about. Kevin. <laughs> well, I think Kevin makes stuff up. It's a More fucking thing. Alright, well, anyway, this disease simulator game, uh, they added anti-vaxxers. It's kind of like an easy mode. Yeah. Story two. Parents say their children have become more fascinated with Winston Churchill after watching Peppa Pig on YouTube. I mean, You know those right. YouTube wormholes. Yeah, yeah. Story three. An Indian man uh, in India, uh, is suing his parents for giving birth to him. <laughs> okay, so we got... Thank you, our local Indian. <laughs> <laughs> so we got, we got number one is video game about disease mm-hmm. and they added anti-vaxxers. Mm-hmm. Number two is Peppa Pig, Winston Churchill. Mm-hmm. Number three is Indian man suing his parents. Yes. Okay. I'm going to go with number three recap, again. No, he is actually <laughs> suing. I mean, it sounded plausible. What? But... I'm really surprised the Winston Churchill one got through. Um, <laughs> really? Is that fake? Yeah, that's fake. I mean, because Peppa Pig is... is right. They're actually... Up. People... Uh, American parents are like, oh, now my kid's like developing a British accent. That's what's actually... No, that's happened. true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what's actually happened. Oh, that's man. why you're supposed to... Yeah, that's why you're well, supposed to say that one's game. Mm. That's, yeah, that's the game. Yeah, you got it. I did not get the You're game. getting it. You're getting it. Okay. Oh, man. Third set of stories. Florida man arrested for allegedly shooting at police officers and was also found to have been counterfeiting Trader Joe's seasoning online. Ooh, I don't know if it's Trader Joe's, but that it's, sounds about right. It's, it's that everything but the bagel seasoning, for the record. Oh, I've, shit. I've never had that, it, but that apparently that shit's great. good. Yeah. I put it on popcorn, guys. It's good. I've never had it. Apparently it's good. Second story. Fox News host Pete Hegseth, 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 it's Hegseth, has said on air that he has not washed his hands in 10 years because germs aren't a real thing. Okay. Yes. Uh, Story three. Legally speaking, Lake Erie is now a person. Okay, um, I'm going to go with Florida is all messed up. Mm-hmm. That's oh, why I like to add I it. I recently found out that Florida is like one of the only states that has public records yeah, yeah, for yeah, that's, arrests, yeah, yeah. so that's why we all know about their weirdness. Yeah, but and, also Florida And none of the ass. other states are 
are weird because we don't know their public arrest. Mm. I'm going to go with number three again. Because why? No, wait. Ah, okay. I'm not going to look at her. Yeah, you can't look at me. We've known each other for like 87 years. Okay. Um, no, I've gone with number three the all times. Would you? Have, you actually, yes, yes. I have. Mm-hmm. A, what's number two? I'm going to go with number two. Oh, no, the Fox News host is not watching. I forgot what number two was. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. No, that happened. Uh, Lake Erie is also basically, it has the rights of a human person. Well, because why not? Because Ohio was just like, yeah, fuck that. So um, so story one is actually fake, and it's like two different not stories. Joe's. No, no. See, the first part That's is that the Florida? Florida man was actually a Florida mayor that was arrested for shooting at police officers. Well, duh. And also, and also, there was a family that was selling Trader Joe's seasoning online and made $30,000 off of it. I, I really should have gone with number one. It was two. Yeah, you should have gone with number one because that's the correct answer. I know. Was, I know. So. I messed up. It's okay. It's okay. Who wants a sticker? <laughs> she has probably a thousand of them. Do you want a drink ticket while you're up here? Yeah. There you go. It's like I won. Yeah. Hey, Roxanne. Are you related to Kanye at all? No. Oh, okay. No, well, sorry. welcome back to the stage. All right, thank you. Fun fact, I don't know what my last name would be because it was changed when, uh, yeah, generations ago. So who's to say? They probably just like, I don't know, what's a word? That's an English word. West? Great. Let's do that one. And uh, let's give it up again for Kevin, Georgia, and not Damien. Woo! All right, thank you so much. All right, now, before we head into our debate, just a few fun little reminders. If you by any chance missed the donation bucket on your way in, be sure to check it out when you leave. (laughs) As a performer and comedian in this godforsaken town, I have always appreciated that the skewer supports, you know, their writers that come on the show. So, for example, um, after my very first skewer, I got to buy myself a hot fudge sundae at Marie's Candies, Marie's Candies right down the street. And it was a delight. I'm not being facetious. It's one of my favorite memories. So thank you so much. (laughs) All right. And then we also have a bunch of wonderful merch over there, like those aforementioned stickers. Also books. If you like some of the stuff that you've been hearing tonight, there's a podcast, also a Medium page. Check those out for past and present and future skewers, as well as the merch on on the table. Very cool. Very cool. Great. And then... Great. And we also want to thank Cafe Mustache for having us here. Always being gracious. Fun hosts. So buy those drinks, baby. Buy those drinks if that is your want. If it is not, there's also non-alcoholic uh, beverages and snacks. Whew. All right. So I am very excited for our upcoming debate to bring up our first debater, So Ali Domier is a comedian, writer, and sketch comedian that could be seen performing throughout Chicago. At venues like the Playground in Second City. She's a frequent contributor to the Bad Movie of the Month Club as well. Please welcome Ali Domier. All right. Now our second debater has dual degrees in literature and philosophy and has not left the house in two years. Please welcome Tabitha Bathwell. All right. All right. So for our debate this beautiful month, 
All right. So this February, Esquire's cover story featured 17-year-old high school student Ryan Morgan in an article titled, An American Boy, What It's Like to Grow Up White, Middle Class and Male in the Era of Social Media, School Shootings, Toxic Masculinity, Hashtag Me Too, and a debated, Divided Country. Uh, this cover and article brought a bountiful rainstorm of hate clicks and controversy to Esquire's site for reasons ranging from February being Black History Month, why is this dumb white child being celebrated, uh, to its very first line, a quote from Ryan, girls just sometimes do that. If you haven't read the article and are wondering what that may be, whatever you're conjuring in your head is correct. It really only gets worse from there. This, of course, begs the question, who will be featured on Esquire's March cover? Tabitha, who do you think will be featured on the cover? Uh, I got this note that said a scorpion riding on a frog crossing a big body of water, but I really don't know what it means. Thank you, Tabitha. All right, Allie, who do you think will be featured on the cover in March? The fine establishment of Arby's. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, do we have a preference of who will be going first? Allie. All right, perfect. Okay. For a long time, Esquire has been a formative magazine for men in all areas of life. I'm not here to razz on Esquire in any kind of way. Where else can men get the same comforting article published every year, ranking each and every James Bond actor? <laughs> Roger Moore is always number one, and no one remembers who George Lazenby is. He was in one movie. Where else can men learn important life lessons? Like how Ernest Hemingway never drank a mojito, but they still taste pretty good anyways. George Lad, sorry. Ernest Hemingway, he wrote for Esquire, but that article was written by a woman. So you know that Esquire is providing a wide array of voices to nurture and just share different perspectives to the gentlemen of America. Now, a lot of people, including me, were upset when this past month, 17-year-old Ryan Morgan was profiled and put on the cover with the title, An American Boy. What? Excuse me? American boy? Only Estelle and drunk bachelorettes at karaoke can be talking about American boys. Esquire is for American men. And every man from the UK who played James Bond, plus George Lazenby, who's Australian, I guess we keep forgetting him. So with this oversight taken into account, how can Esquire progress? Well, pardon me, but I think we should stop thinking about men as individuals for a change, or even as people. Maybe it's time we lifted up an entity that embodies everything a man should be, 
and when personified, is undeniably the perfect guy. And that guy is Arby's. Hold for applause. Where most men say they're going to bring home the bacon, Arby's screams back, we have the meats. <laughs> they have them already. That's amazing foresight. That is aspirational. That is looking out at a sea of people, people with different wants, different needs, different tastes, and without judgment, without hesitation, providing and accommodating for everyone, not just one kind of person. And that's how a man should behave. If you want chicken, there it is. If you want three solid inches of roast beef, <laughs> Arby's knows it'll give you diarrhea, but your body, your choice. <laughs> if you want a salad, two out of three still have meat in them, but they're there for you. Now, my opponent believes that, well, the more compelling star for Esquire's cover is a scorpion riding the back of a frog so it can cross some dangerous water. Huh, mouthful which would be a cool story if we hadn't already seen that before. Even Aesop's fables ripped it off. It ripped it off twice. It's an old story for old people with outdated and traditional beliefs. It's an article people would only care about for the pictures, but it's not inviting any change to how lame all these middle America white guys are. They're all named Ryan. <laughs> If last month's cover taught us anything, it's that men need to move forward with their thinking, and publications should encourage that. We know the scorpion's going to sting the frog because, as he says, it's in his nature. And if you ask me, it's in his nature sounds pretty similar to boys will be boys. Damn. And as I said before, Esquire is for men, not boys. And men would be pretty dumb to think that our concept of human nature isn't subjective. Arby's has consistently proven its worth in cultivating good values in men. In the 80s, because I know sports, Hall of Famer Hank Aaron, you may know him as Hammer and Hank, or in my case, Little Slugger, bought an Arby's franchise and famously said, whether customers buy one Coke or 15 sandwiches, they're going to be treated the same way with a smile and a thank you. At the bottom of Arby's website, they let you know that Arby's values innovation, trust, and respect, which are three things every man should aspire to. And that's why they should be on the cover of Esquire. <laughs> Thank you, Allie. Now for the rebuttal. Tabitha. That was really good. Um, okay, so I, in the, in the introduction, it said, I'm, I'm Tabitha, and I haven't left the house in two years. So I want to start by saying thank you to everyone for sharing this experience with me. My heart is pumping. I did the biggest dump in the bathroom, so I should be ready. Um, as a confession, my therapist said not to come. But here I am. And it's because of the note that one of you gave me. And I don't know who it is yet. I don't, I don't know if more No, I don't know if you are 
popular or you are just sitting in, but I got that love letter telling me to come here tonight and bear my soul if I want a chance at love. So here I am. As a side note, I don't know what we are debating. That was also in the note, but I talked to my therapist and I decided, you know, sometimes you just have to take a stand. You just have to say, here I am, I'm Tabitha Bathwell, and I have a lot of sores on my feet, but the doctor's outside my house, so I don't know what they are. I made some notes because I wasn't sure that I'd be able to keep all my thoughts together. Please bear with me. I would like to begin. The first one says fear because I'm afraid. It is I, the Scorpion King. Oh, this body is weird as fuck. I possessed this woman. Have you ever gotten inside of a crate and then you wake up in a jewel Osco? It happened to me. As a scorpion, it is hard for me to make my way in this world, so I have possessed this plebe and I have taken her here. Bow before me, humans. I am your king. I'm sorry if I knocked that over. Um, I was talking about fear. I'm really, it's scary for me to be here right now. Um, because I've never been in love. And I want to talk about that. And it's a scary world. I know that you're a political group. I picked up on that. So... Shout it out if you know how many fucking kids, immigrant kids trying to come to a better world, are in cages right now. Shout it out if you know the number. Make a guess. A lot. That's true. That's very accurate. Um, as accurate as we know, it's around 15,000, but we don't know because they've lost some. It's real fucked up. So I didn't leave the house. Um, for like the last two years. And it's hard to meet people who don't leave the house. I just run to Julasco. It takes me 20 seconds. I've timed it. Um, but here I am to meet, hopefully, the love of my life. The note was so amazing. Um, so I'm scared. It's a scary world. We all know that it is. But I'm here to, uh, to my next slide. My first one was fear. My next slide is because I don't want to become victim to hate because that's what fear makes right that's like the problem of like we're like afraid of difference so now we're here and we're like hating each other and it's really scary so i am here because i want love <laughs> that's the next that's the next slide that i made they're pretty simple because sometimes i get overwhelmed with the <laughs> listen you guys i was in love I was in love with my wife, and we had children together. And then you try to take a nap inside of a crate, and you wake up across Lake fucking Michigan, and you have to get back. 
I've been living with this woman for so long. And the only thing she does is go on her computer and cry. And then play with her frog. But her frog's pretty cool. And I watch it, and it can swim really well. So if you guys get me the attention that I deserve, we can get that frog to Lake Michigan, and I can go back to my family. <laughs> Did I stutter? My back. I'm sorry. Um, I was talking about love, so I'm here because one of you really said so much to me in that note that I really felt like you knew me and you were here for me and you were ready to be vulnerable, which brings us um, oviviparous. I didn't write this one. I don't. I don't oviviparous. I don't know what this word is. Sorry, that's weird. <laughs> you know when you love your wife so much and you want to make a family and then you get together and you let out your bits and she lets out her bits and then your bits join together and then you make eight little hatchlings? It's oviviparous and it's beautiful. <laughs> um, okay, maybe, sorry, maybe the next one is what I meant it to be. Trust, yes. So I'm really trying to trust tonight. I'm looking out into the audience. No one's giving me googly eyes. <laughs> no one's uh, got the awooga yeah. um, thing going on, but I'm trusting that one of you is here for me and not going to let me down. Um, <laughs> I, this appears to be two scorpions. I'm not sure what they're doing. Uh, Okay, that's a that's a couple of scorps. <laughs> okay, I think I've got her now. Listen, I know what all you guys like. I've seen your national newspaper, Esquire magazine. I saw that cover, and I recognize at least six young white men in this audience that can take me to power. Get my story out there. It's a universal tale of love. Take me to Lake Michigan and get me back to my wife. Uh, okay, um, just, just to wrap up, um, I would really like it if someone could, could reach out to me or give me a positive vibe. I didn't draw this scorpion. That's the symbol for Scorpio. And that just says Scorpion King forever. Okay, thanks. All right, let's hear it for Tabitha. Woo! All right. All right. All right. We're getting to the, the question part of our debate. Our first question is for Allie. All right. Want to go to that? Yeah, perfect. All right, so as we all know, 2019 is truly the year of brands, baby, brands. All right, the brands are depressed. They are horny, and they are reaching out to each other on social media in super cool, not upsetting ways. All right, Allie, how will the proliferation and personification of brands on social media impact Arby's chances 
of being featured on Esquire's cover. Not at all. Arby's loves to be on on social media, especially with Throwback Thursdays. Did you know uh, Throwback Thursday? It's Wednesday. Um, Arby's wants because you said horny. <laughs> Our first sandwich was sixty nine cents. Uh oh. Uh oh. Just looking at my little bits of facts. Uh, you know, really reminds me of uh, just a couple years ago. Over Twitter, uh, Arby's had a little love affair with Pharrell because um, his hat looks like our logo. <laughs> I'm saying R, it's Arby's logo, just the royal R. And as a result, we bought it, thus saving the world from having to see Pharrell wear that hat, <laughs> but also giving to charity. So that's the kind of love Arby's gives out in the world. Thank you, Allie. All right. So, Tabitha, the next question is for you. So, you have admitted that you have not left the house in two years. How can you then be sure the pulse of the nation, or sure of the pulse of our nation, and who Esquire would deem fit to be on our cover? Um, it's true. I probably am not fit to say this because I don't know a lot, but I, I participate in a lot of online forums, which I'm guessing is how you found me, whoever's out there. Um, <laughs> Real sad, 38. Um, but I, I, I guess I would say probably what I know the most is what you quoted back to me. Um, I've been keeping it on, on my bedside table. I've been reading the Book of Joy by the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu, Yeah. Anyone? Okay. Uh, so I picked it up because it's specifically to answer those questions of when everything is terrible, how do you get to the dentist? <laughs> um, and it's basically, it's trying to say, like, don't avoid all the scary, terrible things. Like, how do you recognize and keep you guys open and stay awake? Awake to enlightenment, anyone? Uh, Buddhism. Um, and, and at the same time, uh, be, be happy, be joyous. It's the book of joy. And, and basically it says, don't be so self-centered. And I've never been a scorpion or a frog. So I guess it would be very not self-centered of me to support them. It just keeps on twisting away, this microphone, from me, because I'm a short person. Great. Perfect. All right, so our, our final question is for the both of you. So obviously, hate clicks are a huge factor in the monetization of modern journalism. Do you think Esquire could potentially, in addition to hate, reach love clicks? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> And if so, why would your cover reach more views for both of you? <laughs> Listen, you guys. I look around and I see dry eyes everywhere. I have eight little hatchlings. Have you ever skeen a scorpion hatchling? Shine a little light on that, they glow right up for you. We're phosphorescent. 
Love is what brought me here. And it's what brought this idiot body here. So do I think it could move a nation? You bet I do. And do I think one of you needs to come through and profess your undying love to this woman so she doesn't ruin my way out of here by locking herself inside? Yes, I do. I think Arby's has a lot of reason. <laughs> Arby is fully capable of bringing in a lot of love likes to Esquire's social media. You know, Arby's is where dads take their kids when their mom, like, can't bring them food. It's where old people go to get traditional-style sandwiches. It's where when people saw, like, an advertisement that had all of the meats that were available to them... And they were like, that would be pretty cool. Arby was like, I got you, and you can order a meat mountain now. <laughs> because Arby's cares. That's all I got. All right, thank you, both of you. All right, perfect. And now for closing arguments, since we started with Allie, we'll start with Tabitha for this round. Um... I have never been in love, so I understand why someone might be hesitant to put themselves out there for me. Um, But in your note, it just made me really think that maybe two people can make a world that is worth it in this crazy world that's probably not going to last very long. R.I.P. Coral Reefs, Polar Bears. Um... So I'll be around afterwards if anyone wants to profess their undying love to me. Um, Their names are... Thank you, Tabitha. Now, Allie. A scorpion and a frog. Well, Arby's is also a duo. (laughs) Some guys have a wingman, but Arby's, Arby's has a meat man. Because Arby's is never far away from the guidance of its master of meats, H. John Benjamin. If job hunting has taught us anything, it's that recommendations from our peers are the most important judgment calls for people's character. Every good man should have an even gooder man who's able to speak on his behalf about how good he is, who can recommend him for any occasion. Hello, you've reached me, Arby's Head of Sandwiches. So you can't decide which of Arby's 30-plus sandwiches to order? I'm here to help guide you. Let's begin. If you're in an Arby's drive-thru or standing in line at a store and you need to decide ASAP, press 1. For sandwich guidance based on an occasion or event you're celebrating, (laughs) sometimes the sport you like can dictate your... If you enjoy hooping it up on the hardwood, (laughs) press 1 You get the point. Arby's, it appeals to everyone. A man who appeals to everyone. Imagine that. 
All right. Let's give it up for both of our debaters tonight. All right. And for those of you listening at home, yes, H. John Benjamin was here. And he was kind. All right. All right. So for this debate, we do uh, audience applause meter for who you think gets to win the coveted skewer skewer. Ooh. A couple of these bad boys at home. I'm a woman who likes to fight. No. I don't. <laughs> I'm sorry again, Tom, but thank you for having me up here. All right. So we are so appreciative of our debaters coming up here tonight. So we are going to support them fully, but support the person a little tiny bit more that you think convinced you of who is going to be on the next cover of Esquire. So give it up for Tabitha. All right. Yeah. And then let's hear it for Allie. All right. So it sounds like for the applause meter, the skewer skewer goes to Allie Domiak. Here it goes. All right. Congratulations. All right, let's give it up again for everyone that performed tonight. You guys were so great. And let's also hear it for that audience. Man, you guys need to love yourself more. Give yourself more applause because that was... Not as good as an applause as you should have given yourself. Anyway, I have been Roxanne West. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming out on this very cold March day and seeing some wonderful political comedy. Thank you again, and have a great night. Thank you for listening to the Skewer Podcast. If you like what you heard, you can come to a live show every first Wednesday of the month at Cafe Mustache in Chicago. If you would like to know more or be in the show, contact us at skewerchicago at gmail.com. You can also like this podcast and subscribe to it and tell people about it. I don't know. That'd be cool. Until next time, thank you for listening, and goodbye.